Hi, my name is Harini. And I'm Camille. And this is the News Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about cancel culture and whether it is helping the feminist movement or is holding us back. I think to start off with, how would we actually define cancel culture? Because I think it's kind of different to stuff we see on the internet that's like calling people out. I think cancelling goes slightly more than that. I think you're right. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction to draw between just like holding someone accountable and then quote unquote cancelling them. Um, I think that's important because to be honest, I think my opinions on cancel culture change so regularly like so frequently I'd say probably once a month I become either pro or against and I think that that says a lot about what a complicated issue it is because there's so many there's so many examples where it is good that people's platforms have been taken away like when Trump was banned from Twitter was a good moment for free speech that wasn't a bad in my opinion because all of the stuff that he was giving out was so much hatred and like inciting a literal insurrection of the senate that's a big point, I think, with counterculture and looking at whether it's positive or negative, it's the freedom of speech argument. And I think, I guess, on one hand, like it definitely is within every individual's right to choose to support some people over others, choose to boycott some people over others. Like that's so okay. But then people that claim council culture is bad normally use the argument of, oh, but you're like silencing celebrities, you're because it's normally celebrities that get cancelled, right? Like you're silencing them. But I, I don't really agree with that because celebrities when they do get cancelled they still have huge amounts of money and influence and power right you don't I mean just because you're choosing to cancel them you're not actually taking that away from them they can still exercise it and also being a celebrity I think that comes with some sort of responsibility I don't think it's bad at all or unusual for the general public you know who the people doing the cancelling to put them on a pedestal slightly or view them as role models or exemplars I don't know where do you draw the distinction between it being harmful and not no, I agree. I think I definitely agree about the fact that as a celebrity, you do have responsibility. And I think it's the same. It's sort of like when we were talking about the like the body image thing yeah. and what you put on social media. Like there is a difference between what you're putting out as an adult, knowing that you're meant to be somewhat responsible for the people who are underage following you. I think it's the same thing with celebrities like you, that comes with a certain responsibility. And therefore, because you know you have this many fans and you've fought to have this many fans and you want to have this many fans, yet they are listening when you speak. Like, this is what you asked for. So if you say something that is then racist, homophobic, misogynistic, anything like that, yeah, you should be held accountable for it because, you know, you've asked for this life of being in the public eye. Now you need to actually take that to do something good with it, in my opinion. I think there's the very difference between that and sort of, I don't know, like a local mum who said something a bit on the line when describing, I don't know, someone in the supermarket that she's seen. Like, I think there's a difference between holding your parent accountable or something like that and cancelling them because they've not, you know, something that you say when you feel safe is obviously going to be very different to celebrities actually projecting things on their social media. Also, I think it's interesting with, um, I think like with so many of these complex issues, it raises much more underlying issues that I think is potentially more, like the root cause is often more of the problem. So when you look at, for example, Trump's Twitter feed being taken down, like so much of what what we talk about when you think about his followers, like believing him and, you know, egging him on and egging each other on and spreading more and more, you know, fueling this sort of fire of hate speech is sort of like, how do they not know better you know why there's so many people that agree because it's one thing to have one person say something hateful it's another thing to have literally millions of people agreeing and sometimes taking it even further 
And I think that is equally the problem. Like, why can these people not think for themselves? Why have they not realised that what they're doing is hate speech? And I think that that raises a huge problem with, like, the education system in the West, also globally, that if we had more political literacy in teenagers and when we're younger, and we have more things that you actually have to make your own mind up about things, you're then less likely to be sort of led like a sheep by genuinely dangerous people like Donald Trump and anyone else. I mean, we've seen the whole thing with Andrew Tate finally being taken down. And it's like, there are still millions of men who think that he's godlike and a fantastic influence to men, even though women have been saying for years that everything that comes out of his mouth is hate speech against women. Yeah, and with the Andrew Tate stuff, it's like how effective is, I mean, he has been cancelled, but how effective is him being cancelled if now cancel culture is being cancelled, if that makes sense? Yeah. Like, the, it's it's no longer seen as a positive thing. It's no. I mean, I think at some point it was, it was about holding people accountable. But now it's kind of turned into, like, mass public hysteria and outrage more than something that's constructive and, you know, calling people out and letting them learn. And now it's seen as a negative thing. It can no longer ever really be constructive, can it? Yeah, no, I agree. I think the letting them learn thing is, like, it, it comes up a lot, doesn't it? That, like, being called out on something, if you then continue doing the same thing over and over again, then that's your decision to make. You've now been told that what you're doing is wrong. No, I think so too. I think it's really difficult. I mean, okay, for me, when I think about cancel culture currently, I think most prominently about trans women. Yeah. Because I think that's the thing that comes up time and again. Um, as being like the thing that is currently getting people cancelled for saying the wrong thing about it but when we talk about all women the amount of songs that then objectify women but like that's not something that we're cancelling people for because that's just sort of seen as a part of music yeah sometimes lyrics are objectifying yeah like all jokes that are misogynistic people who are portrayed in a way that's misogynistic affects kind of both sides does that make sense but then again, like now, like I'm trying to choose my words so carefully because I don't want to say something that is seen as transphobic, yeah. even though I know full well in my heart that I'm not a transphobe. No, it's difficult because cancel culture is so, it's so scary because you live life not wanting to get cancelled. Like I feel like sometimes, especially with a platform, like I have to hold myself back or I have to think before I speak, which is how I guess we should act in society, but not when it's propagating a hate Mm -hmm. society or like a culture of hate yeah or a culture of fear i don't think you should i think being thinking about what you're saying so it doesn't offend anyone is a very different thing about being afraid of what comes out of your mouth in case you sort of have the rug pulled from underneath you it kind of reminds me of stuff we probably covered in rs maybe in year eight about being god-fearing and whether that actually makes you a good person are you a good person because it comes from the bottom of your heart and you really want to do good things or are you doing good things in hopes of avoiding mm. some sort of consequence yeah that kind of links to this in the sense that are you saying certain things to other people because you don't want to be cancelled or you know that's what's most accepted in society or are you saying it because you genuinely believe it and I think that's quite difficult to distinguish that's an interesting parallel yeah I don't know, one of the things that I was watching this week and that I then thought that it would be an interesting, like this would be an interesting episode to mention it in, was on the issue of trans women. First of all, it's always women. Like, why we don't hear trans men are men and we don't hear men trying to, you know, navigate the complexities of this if they've been brought up in a certain environment. They, we don't hear them unlearning all of this prejudice. But, but it's always women. It's, like, it's Why is it always trans women are women? Again, I think from a misogyny perspective, 
like again the onus is once again on feminists to navigate the issue and to come up with the right answer every single time um in a way that it then means that people who are openly transphobic like completely 100% have no desire to to get it right are somehow under less pressure than people who are actually trying to do good in the world and are just sometimes phrasing something wrong I don't know I think that that's one of the issues that's come about with feminism yeah 100% there is that pressure especially if we look at activism in general I mean the whole point of activism is to bring about some sort of change some sort of political social change and to do so you have to actually take a stance on an issue you can't sit on a fence for fear of being cancelled and a lot of the time that means putting things out there and talking about things that are politically charged and so it's not useful to not be able to have those conversations yeah no i agree it's i feel like some activism sometimes becomes kind of also feminism becomes a kind of a bubble sometimes yeah and you realize that actually when you remove yourself from the bubble the issue is much 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 bigger than the adjectives with which feminists describe either women or trans women like i don't know I i think that it's sometimes easy to end up in a kind of echo chamber and especially when everything that is bouncing off the walls isn't actually productive conversation it's hate and fear yeah the product is never going to be one that's particularly useful and I think that that is why cancel culture and talking about it becomes such a complicated thing because I mean how many people in the world billions and billions and billions and billions every single person is going to have such a different situation in which they will have had to either cancel or not cancel someone like there is no one size fits all argument and I think this is also where it becomes complicated with JK Rowling because I completely disagree with the comments that she's made about trans women and absolutely trans women are women it's in the name if they say they're a woman they're a woman I really I personally I I don't care about anything else and no one else should but when you see it when she was explaining at first that her fundamental argument was that as a victim of sexual abuse, she doesn't feel comfortable if she were in a position of vulnerability, you know, with her knickers down on the, like in the bathroom in a place that for her is meant to feel safe, but in, absolutely in a position of vulnerability when you're literally half naked, if she opened the bathroom door and saw someone that to her was visibly what she would define as being a man, like tall, with a beard, whatever, moustache, visibly biologically masculine features she would then feel like it was a violation of her privacy and like when you put it like that obviously you can you can see it from her perspective if I opened the door and there was my brother in the ladies toilet I'd be like what are you doing here get out but that's only because I know that he's not trans and that also is when the you know the argument comes of assuming people's gender which is obviously never something that you should do, but it, it does, it is, it is an extra complication. And I think to sort of flatten out that nuance and flatten it out as being like a no, it's always fine, then also does genuinely erase problems like the one that she was raising, that like if you are a recent victim of sexual abuse, no, you're not going to feel comfortable when you're literally half naked and someone who looks like your abuser is standing in front of you. Yeah. I don't know. It's the same with um, Chiramanta Ngozi has also recently come under fire for saying a very similar thing that she was saying. She said that trans women are trans women. And what she meant by that is that they also face experiences that women don't face because we don't have to prove our gender to anyone, which is an issue that trans women do have to go through and therefore they have more and different problems. 
but she then came under a lot of fire for not saying that trans women are women. She was like, she was saying that it's not the same. And she's also one of the most influential feminists for me, like of, of my life. She wrote Half of a Yellow Sun, Why We Should All Be Feminist. She's done a huge amount for the feminist community, both in the States and in Nigeria. Like she's, she's a massive activist. She's done so, so, so much good. And if she now gets cancelled for saying that, then I think that we absolutely need to question whether or not cancel culture is holding feminism back or whether it is bringing it forward into the 21st century which is definitely what it thinks that it's doing no I think it's difficult I think what you said about nuance is actually probably the crux of this whole topic because I think cancel culture in a sense views the world in a very black and white way um because can you imagine if Greta Thunberg was cancelled tomorrow like so much of the green movement and like Fridays for Future and everything like that is based on her having a huge number of young people supporting her and what should be people of all generations supporting her but realistically it's mostly young people but like if her platform was then taken away from her because she said something that was not politically correct about an issue that has nothing to do with the green movement is that fair no I don't think it is so because then it would take so much away from the credibility of the movement and the credibility of young people in general no one would ever listen to young people ever again i think it is so true that it would discredit so much of the movement if someone who was such a big leader and it was taken down for something that's of a completely different issue but the people cancelling her for the issue if she says something that was for example racist or transphobic or homophobic which doesn't seem like she would do but let's say that she did then from their perspective, they're like, no, because this is now a world-recognised leader who is disrespecting our community. She should be taken down. It's not OK. And like you can 100% see it from their perspective as well. But it takes away from the credibility of the green movement and, as you say, young people and young women. But then when we take that onto feminism and every time that someone is cancelled for saying something that is deemed as transphobic, which a lot of the time I'm saying deemed, like, yeah, a lot of the time it is. So a lot of times when you talk about TERFs and like trans-exclusionary radical feminism, they are anti-trans. There's no, there's no getting around that. But every time that you cancel someone without like, without necessarily solid grounding, it takes away from the feminist movement. And like with having all of these terms, the same as when we were talking about Black History Month, the more we have like intersectional feminism, white feminism, class feminism, turf feminism, um, whatever exclusionary feminism, it's breaking it down into factions. And it's kind of the same as when we talk about the divided left, like because you care more about the point that you're making being correct is a good thing but then you said there's so many smaller factions that they are so much easier to take down they become weaker as a whole and the whole of in this situation let's call it the right would then be it's so much easier for them to take over because they are one group they, they care so much less about the political correctness of what they've said because their morals are different and you know arguably wrong if you're talking about some like examples if we're talking about being transphobic misogynistic racist homophobic but because they care less about the way that it comes across because that's not what they're standing for, they then end up with more power because they're not factioning themselves off, which we as liberals do all of the freaking time. And I think that therefore council culture, like, mm, mm, I don't know, I think we should be wary of it because who is making the rules? So who actually is behind this? Who is turning, like breaking up feminism and breaking up the left and breaking up like liberal mindsets? Is it us? I don't know. I really do agree with you because I think that is where council culture holds back progressive movements, not just feminism, but progressive movements in general. Because what is at the heart of it is, you know, this desire to make the world a better place and make positive change and leave that impact. And you're right completely because feminism is divided. And of course, it's doing and it's done a lot. I mean, we are seeing progress and yet it's being 
held back because it should be about learning about stuff right and that's where cancel culture takes away from that learning mindset I think and then bridging those gaps between you know those factions of feminism that you talked about has to come from learning and has to come from having conversations and council culture I don't think is really helping that but then again with this whole learning and power of empathy thing that is often used as a rebuttal to council culture I mean whose responsibility is it then to do the educating especially in a bid to create a more like diverse feminist space yeah it's such a complicated one (laughs) I think that's a good place to end if any but that's all from us from today's episode as always you can follow us on instagram at news underscore ldn if you've enjoyed our content and if you want to get in touch you can email us at admin at newslondon.co.uk we also have a blog at www.newslondon.co.uk again that's all from us this was the news podcast <laughs> <laughs>